Today's episode is brought to you by the Strand Tennis Center. Located just 40 minutes outside of Manhattan, the Strand is the tennis brainchild of owner Stephen Capo, and it's my favorite facility to sweat, learn, and have fun while playing tennis. Follow the Strand on Instagram or Twitter at Strand Tennis for more information. Hey, fantastic fans. It's so good to be back this week. I literally just got back from London. I was five days at Wimbledon. I am still smiling from ear to ear. It was absolutely everything I had hoped for and more, minus the Serena match, of course, which uh, was both traumatizing and euphoric at the same time. It was my second trip to the All England Club. I went back in 2019 and I had such a fun time. But this year was so, so different. I went with a player and I got to see behind the veil. It was such an experience. I had an absolute blast. Uh, Wow. It was just wow, really. I know this episode in particular is a few weeks late. I really tried to get this out during Pride Month, but please forgive me because I was over in Europe and then... I jumped over to Wimbledon and I've been living this dream fantasy life for the past five days that I just woke up from this morning. This tournament has been bonkers already. I plan on coming back next week and doing a fun Wimbledon recap episode right after the tournament ends. So I hope you come back and join me for that. I can't wait to share some of the fun stuff behind the scenes that you never knew happened. It just, you know, it blew my mind, the kind of stuff that I was seeing. So Can't wait to talk about it. And speaking of fun, this week's episode is a ton of fun. I met Sasha Vickery back in 2020 at the start of COVID when it seemed like the world was crashing down everywhere. And I was literally washing a bag of chips by hand out of the sink. We hit it off right away and her story really resonated with me. And I think it will with you too today. I'm also really excited she's here for our Pride Month episode as she's been such an ally to the LGBTQ plus community and especially to the GLTA tour. And I love that she wanted to be a part of the show today. And she joined with our mutual friend, Dylan Cassidy, who is also a ton of fun. And honestly, whether you're familiar with Sasha's career or not, I highly recommend hearing her story and listen how a pro athlete like Sasha has been dealing and and coping with an anxiety disorder for so long and continues to claw her way and fight her way back into the world's top 100. And if you do like today's episode, please show Sasha some love on social media. But most of all, I hope you enjoy today's chat, getting to know Sasha Vickery. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, they always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So, <laughs> it happened before, it's going to happen again. Our fan co host this week is not just a buddy of mine, but he's also a great friend of our player guest today. So, beware because things could get quite rowdy over the next hour. He was recently in the stands cheering her on as she played her way into the finals of an ITF event in Orlando, Florida. And he lists her 2018 upset win against Garbina Muguruza in Indian Wells as his favorite fan moment. He's an avid tennis fan with a great forehand himself. And I'm pretty sure some of you listening out there may not even be into tennis. And you're just tuning in today to listen to his Louisiana drawl. And if you are one of those 160,000 people that follow him on Twitter, then you definitely know that he bears a lot more than just his love for today's guest. It's my buddy, Dylan Cassidy. Dylan, what's up? Happy Pride Month. 
What's up? Oh my God, so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for stopping by, Dill. We've been talking about this forever. We finally get to tennis talk. This is great. Finally. Yeah, no, this is great. And to have Sasha today as our go-between. This is like tennis happy hour. Oh yeah, we kicking it. It's gonna be lit. <laughs> <laughs> It is. Plus, I have my full glass of wine. So let's go. You know, let's do this. I love it. (laughs) I'm really excited. I'm going to try not to dip into a Southern drawl today because I know you have that sexy, smooth voice. (laughs) Listen, the later it gets, it's just going to it's going to happen. So (laughs) just get ready. It'll get pretty contagious. Dylan, if you had to guess what percentage of Twitter followers actually follow tennis, what do you think? Um, Like of my followers? Of your followers. Honestly, I would say probably... Probably maybe like 20,000, 25,000. Really? That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I get a pretty decent amount of engagement whenever I like tennis posts or if I'll like make a random post that doesn't have any sort of media. So like you have to know about tennis in order to understand what I'm like talking about. So I get a fair amount of engagement there too. So I would say probably yeah, close to about 20K. And you talk a lot about tennis, which is great. And so pretty much you're doing a service to the sport today. You're like a tennis ambassador today. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny is that like all of a sudden the gays are really discovering tennis, which is awesome. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why. We'll talk about your Twitter in a minute, but uh, for sure. Well, also, I think, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like the Baratini surgeons that happened after Wimbledon, everybody on Twitter was like tweeting it. So I think that and a few other things but yeah yeah there's a few other things one of the few other things is our guest today because when you have someone as fun as Sasha Vickery on the show then of course this is a great introduction to the sport but first I mentioned Sasha's win Dylan in Indian Wells you and I actually got to hang out in Indian Wells it was so much fun we got to watch so much tennis and drink a lot of overpriced cocktail in Palm Springs <laughs> Just, um, <laughs> breaking the bank for three cocktails it was so fun but the Cliff's Notes version really is I found this massive house in Indian Wells and I invited a really fun group of like 15 people from all over the US and Canada and we all stayed together for like four or five days in one house mind you so there could have been bedlam but we all got along it was super fun we all had a great time it was fun actually right it was lit so so much fun I, as soon as it ended I was like man I need another week of this it was your first Indian Wells did you have fun what was your what were your thoughts on that week It was my first Indian Wells. Incredible. First of all, that tournament is so, is run so well. I mean, I've been to a few different like smaller tournaments and like US Open and stuff like that. And I was just really surprised at how organized everything was and how beautiful the complex was and everything. I will say that my skin got so dry up there. I mean, I was putting chapstick on the corners of my eyes. Like, it was crazy. Is that a thing? Is that a, li- is that a life hack that I don't know about? Chapstick on the corners of my eyes? Only if you're like a crusty crust like I was out there. Okay. But we okay. also watched a lot of tennis. So I was totally fine with it because I was having a, the time of my life. So, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about Iga Sviantec today as well. But, you know, we got to watch in Indian Wells, the, the really the beginning of this 35 match historic epic journey that she's been on through the French Open. I mean, there's nothing better than watching someone so great play the sport. I mean, maybe what I would say probably the best thing to watch is someone you're friends with and someone you're competing with, like get to watch like Sasha, right? That's even better than than someone like Iga. So I I can't wait to talk about it. So let's bring Sasha out real quick because I can't wait to talk about so many things today. Our guest this week is someone I've come to know over the past couple of years, and I'm so excited she's here today to talk us through over a decade-long career that's been a wild ride full of twists and turns. 
Born and raised in South Florida, her parents immigrated from Guyana and would successfully introduce the sport of tennis to their young daughter. She would become a major threat by climbing all the way to number six in the world on the ITF junior rankings and would cap off her successful run by winning the 2013 USTA National Singles and Doubles Championships, thus earning wildcards into that year's US Open. She'd have a successful career transitioning to the main tour as well, where she cracked the top 100 for the first time in 2018 with successful semifinal finishes at WTA events in both Auckland and Monterey, as well as a third round appearance in Indian Wells before losing to that year's champ, Naomi Osaka. With wins against legends like Garbina Muguruza and Agnieszka Radwanska, she continues her dream on the WTA tour, where she's amassed three career ITF singles titles. And just this past week, another run to the finals at an event in Orlando, Florida. There's also a creative side to her badass tennis brain. And I know she's excited to talk about the recent launch of her new fashion tennis line. Our guest this week does it all. She's a personal friend, an LGBTQ plus ally, a mental health advocate, a clothing designer, an expert TikToker, and a professional athlete. <laughs> Our guest this week is the fantastic Sasha Vickery. Sasha, welcome to Fantastic Tennis. Thank you. I know. No, I'm, it's really great. I'm glad I finally made it on too. I know we've been talking about it for like ever. Also, like really, the way you've been running your shows and everything, like you really do your homework. I didn't even remember I did some of the stuff you just talked about. So you're definitely, you're definitely on it. <laughs> exactly. That's is why you're here. You're the hype man today, Dylan. This is great. No, yeah, this is period. Dylan is like hype man of the century. Like my last match he was at, it was just, it was giving. I, listen, I stay being this girl's hype man all day. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it in one second. But did I ever tell you, Dylan, the first time I've ever met Sasha in person? Uh, I don't think so. It is like, it is the best way to meet somebody. My best friend, Chris, who you met at Indian Wells, he was in the house with us. Right. We were planning a birthday party for Victoria Azarenka, right? So <laughs> as you do, as you do. And I knew Sasha and I had a mutual friend in common. So I invited them both to come join the party. And we drove around on a boat in Fort Lauderdale, like all day long on this beautiful day. We're in bathing suits. We're having fun, Incredible. living our best lives. And, you know, for Sasha and Invika are like, you know, glamorous and fantastic. It was so much fun, right? We had a ball. It was the best day. It was the best. We even did a TikTok together. Do you remember the TikTok? Yes, we did TikTok. Like we were out on the boat. We were making videos on the boat. Your friend Chris was super, super nice. Like it was just the best day. And then I think it was Vika's birthday. And, you know, we just saying happy birthday and it was yeah. just really cute and there's tiktok with sasha vickery and vika zarenka out there in the universe hopefully we're gonna we're gonna put this on the website <laughs> we're gonna put this on instagram because i mean it was like it was so good i mean come on by the way your tiktoks are hilarious they really are you, everyone <laughs> listening go follow sasha vick on tiktok if you want some funny content thank you <laughs> yes follow by the way are there any other wta tiktok accounts that i don't know about that are really funny dasha seville obviously she's number one she's hilarious yeah, Dasha's really so funny. Um, I know Coco started to make a lot of TikToks. Hers are kind of funny, but I think Dasha's and hers are hilarious. Like every TikTok she does is like ridiculously funny. So yeah, Christy on had some. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I think Svitolina has a good one too. Oh, Svitolina had some fun ones. Yeah. Svitolina, she stay goofing around. Right. So. I mean, when you have a goofy <laughs> husband like Momfi, uh, you got to I mean, be goofy. You got to have a goofy side, exactly. right? Okay. All right. That's good. All right. Good. Um, Sasha, the second time I met you, I came to your practice in Palm Beach and you're practicing with 
the <laughs> Venus Williams and Queen. the Richard Williams was there as well. And the dog to Venus Williams. Was there. I mean, it was like celebrities. It's the dog. I was me. like, oh my, this is like, it was like epic day. I'm I'm meeting Venus Williams. Like they're, I'm watching them practice and have this yeah. practice match. It was like, we got to take a photo. We had a hit around. It was legendary. It really was iconic. It was legendary. So really Sasha, every time I'm around you, I'm having a good time. So that's just kind of how that goes. I don't know. We have a lot to live up to. That's true. <laughs> we do. Like our, level is high right now it's really it's really <laughs> high you're in the Dominican Republic by the way right now are you not you won your match this morning congratulations yes oh yeah I won uh, my second round today so um I'm in the quarters tomorrow and I'm just getting some matches in before I head over to Europe and play on the grass and you know I'm just trying to keep my momentum obviously I had a really good week last week so I'm just trying to keep you know the positive energy going so I could have a good run at Wimbledon absolutely we get her at an IT. We get in her at a tournament. Dylan, come on. This is fun. <laughs> but let's talk about Orlando last week because you were there, Dylan. Oh. I mean, were, were you cheering loudly? You said you were. You got a little ratchet. Was it fun? I mean. Hold on. Listen, let, let me tell you something. I almost got my behind kicked out of the match because I was, first of all, I was cheering so loud during, like, once points were made, I was the one cheering on. But there was this one point where I thought that Sasha had a clean winner up the line. And so I was like, I was like, let's go. And, but the girl, but her opponent got her racket on the ball. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and so the umpire was like, you need to, like, he was barely scraped it out. And he was already turning up. <laughs> That's how hype I was in this match. Cause like she was playing, like they were both playing great tennis. It was, it was just mad hot, mad bright outside. Yeah. So like, I was like, I gotta like give as much energy to these girls as I possibly can. But um, I brought a couple of my friends along. And so the three of us were just like, yes. we, we were there for it, man. I was watching on my phone, they had a feed and I was like, oh my gosh, I want, this is so great. She's playing so great. Dylan's there. It, I couldn't hear anything. There was no volume, but I was, I knew I could feel the energy though. I could feel the vibe. Because she was playing so great. I was like, all right, this is great. I wish I was there right now. This is really fun. Plus, Sasha, you travel so much. You travel for a living. You're in the Dominican Republic. I mean, so it must have felt so good to have someone you know there and just to kind of support and and, and feel the love. So, I mean, right? That's, that's always fun when you have someone you know. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these tournaments, especially when you're traveling as much as I do, you know, the tour gets really lonely. And usually it's just you and your coach. And, you know, you go to the site, you go right back to your hotel. You know, you don't really get to like talk to friends and hang out. So I honestly had like the best week. And I think that's why I played so well, just because, you know, every day I was coming home to like Dylan's cat. Like I would wait for him to get off of work. My whole husband that week. Dylan, where's your cat? What's your cat's name, Dylan? My cat's name is Cherry. She she romping around here somewhere. But literally, though, that week, it was so good because I was like, I'll tell all my people at work. I was like, I got to go home to my wife. I got to go make dinner for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was literally like I would wait for him to come home. I'm like, it's five o'clock. He's getting off like he's on the way home. <laughs> yeah, I think that probably like helped uh, give you a little bit of like normalcy in the midst. Yes, of for sure. Just watching TV, watching RuPaul, like. It was just a blast. I had, that was the most like stress-free oh week I've had in a really long time. So I had a ball. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna have to just be the hype man full-time. I'm gonna need to get on the payroll and just. Right, <laughs> they'll get you going. So I was like, Dylan needs, he needs to be there, yes. Right. Well, Sasha, I'm gonna be in Wimbledon this year. Are you? So I, I know I'm not the husband, but maybe I could be, you know, the, the side piece for the weekend. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. I'll tag. We can put tag you in. I'll be there. I'll be there for the first week. So I'm excited. I'm going to be out there to watch it. I'm so happy because watching you on court, first of all, you were playing well, but 
you looked fantastic. I want to talk about this new collection. Congratulations. Thank you. The colors you picked were so amazing. The cut is so amazing. It looks so great on you. Can we talk about it? I want to know everything. Have you always had this creative side or were you just kind of tired of trying to find stuff that fits a juicy booty? Like what was it? <laughs> so a little bit both. I do big booty issues, obviously not issues, but it's a blessing. You know, I'll say it's a blessing, but it really started more during COVID when, you know, I had a lot of time on my hands. You know, I always, I draw pretty well and I was always like sketching and I've always been into fashion but a big problem for me that I've had with, you know, all the clothing brands I've been with, you know, Nike, Adidas, Lacoste and all these different big brands. But there's nothing that ever really like fit my body type and was able to like fit my look because most of the girls, you know how it is in sports. They're all, you know, very skinny, tall and I'm short, curvy. And I just always had problems like getting the materials to fit me. So during COVID, I started drawing stuff up and I got a, a manufacturer and I was like, let me just make something that I could try when the tour restarts. And I tried it and it was great. And it, it is a really long process because, you know, all the designs I have to send them. So I'm hoping by around U.S. Open time, I can have my website up and all of that. But in the meantime, I'll be wearing like different pieces every week. Oh, we're going to hype it up for sure. We got you. We got this. And you have a fan on Instagram, TannerTennis89. He wants to know, or she wants to know. That's a good name. Tanner's a good name. What's next for the line, Sasha? What's the vision? And are you doing a Serena cat suit? I mean, that's something I wouldn't be opposed to for sure. But like <laughs> I said, you know, the way my booty's set up, it's really tough. I got to really get the sizing and material right. But I think I really do like open back cuts a lot. You know, I like something that's a little more edgy because it suits my personality. So I don't really like the traditional, yeah. you know, tennis player. So anything that I do, it's going to be very non-traditional, very edgy, very different because that's just my personality. That's just how I am. So do we have a name yet or are we going to unveil it in a, in a bit? Is this going to be like a big reveal? Maybe before we kind of like, I'm excited. For yes, it. it's going to be a reveal. I'm still like, going okay. back and forth with a few different ones. I want to find the perfect one. I have a good name, but I will say that I think if you're going to do a men's line, Dylan would be a great model for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> and hey guys, as a fellow member of the Big Booty Tennis Club, I <laughs> would also wear your men's line. So I'm just saying. Listen, look, I've already I've already planted that seed and I will see the harvest. It's designed for curves. So as long as you got the curves, it's a wrap. It'll suit you. Period. That's it. That's the men's line. It's Big Booty Tennis Club line. That's it. That's the... <laughs> It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Big booty, big thighs. That's what my life's about. That's it. This is good. We're, we're all inclusive. I yes. love this. This is so fun. Well, we have so much to talk about today with the fantastic Sasha Vickery is here. And my buddy, my very favorite Twitter escape, Dylan Cassidy is here. Sasha, have you seen Dylan's Twitter? I have seen his Twitter. And you know what? I just stand for it. You know, it's just like... <laughs> all the shoots and like <laughs> the first time I actually met Dylan, did I, I, we met for the first time in Orlando, right, Dylan? Right, correct. Because yeah. we were always messaging like back and forth on Instagram. Right. I was like, you know, let me just, I'll see if he's around the campus. And I'll go. Up. <laughs> I pulled up. So I saw Dylan and the first thing that came into my head, I'm like, damn, this man has a booty. I'm like, this whoa, man whoa, is bussing, bussing. Like I'm talking those khaki like pants were barely hanging on for dear life. <laughs> so I was like, that is really refreshing to see. So I checked out his Twitter, obviously, mm -hmm. like we added each other and stuff. And I was like, okay, Dylan, like I see the vibes. So I'm a big fan of Dylan's Twitter account. Yep. Like his followers are very engaged. Like they're yep. all about him. 
listen and like like the gays on there like are get so lit whenever me and Sasha will like tag each other and stuff I've got messages and they're like what's Sasha like oh my gosh you know her I'm like listen keep my wife's name out and all my friends was like who's that I'm like girl I wish <laughs> I, wish. I know your your photos are so flirtatious. You know that you have a good mix though, Dylan, because it's like tennis, then flirtatious mm -hmm. on a tennis court, and then it's like Listen. body yadi yadi. And it's you gotta like, give the people what they want. You, th my whole thing is you got to give them just enough to keep them coming back, but you can't give them the whole thing. You know what I mean? I know, <laughs> but you do give them the back though. You do. Though. That's my bread and butter right there. <laughs> That's the money maker. I mean, listen, I get it because I, my Twitter is like me with a goofy smile holding three tennis balls in my hand. Just like I could hold three tennis balls in my hand. Like, yeah, <laughs> you win. <laughs> Dylan, can I ask you when you became such a champion of Sasha's tennis and why is she so special on and off the court? Well, one thing, of course, I told you watching her amazing run at Indian Wells was one of the things that like really put her at the forefront of my mind when I was when I thought about great upcoming American women uh, in tennis. I was like, okay, here's somebody else we need to pay attention to. Let's go. And then 2019, I was at the U.S. Open and I was I had watched her play a couple of her qualifying matches and stuff, and I was like, oh, she thick. And I was like, let me go, let me pull up, let me pull up, let me come see this. <laughs> so I watched a couple of her matches and Sasha hits the ball very hard. And one thing is that Sasha gets to every ball just about. And like, what's funny is that whenever we were at the finals the other day, I brought, told you I brought a couple of my friends and they literally were saying during the match, they were like, Sasha literally doesn't miss a shot. Like she does not let a ball go past her. I think the whole match, there was like two winners. I do be moving. I was like, hold on. Listen, she be moving. The, you do. Those little legs be scurrying across <laughs> that, that court. Like, yeah, uh -oh. <laughs> So I think it's just that that tenacity. And also I had like seen her, a little bit of her like off the court too. And I could just tell that she had a really vivacious personality. And it's always nice to know that the stars are just like us, you know? <laughs> I can't wait to tell my Sasha Vickery story in a little bit, but I mean, what an interesting life you've had, Sasha, really. I want to jump right into today's show and get to know the life and career of our sweet Sasha. Sasha, I've compiled the most popular topics that your fans want answers to. Okay. The topics today range from the beginning of your career all the way to your life today. Mm -hmm. And along the way, we even have a game that will test your fandom, Dylan Cassidy. Ooh. So we're pretty much guaranteeing a fun show today. We are. I mean, this is going to be really fun. <laughs> Let's jump right in. Sasha, I start each show by asking this first question. Okay. What was the first match you remember watching live or on television? So the first match I ever saw, the first tennis match I ever saw was actually Venus playing oh. at the US Open. I don't remember who she was playing against, but she was the first, literally the first person I ever seen play tennis. Wow. And at that time, you know, like beads were like a big thing. Like I used to have beads in my hair and I saw this like, just this tall, like stunning, like powerful mm. black woman, like just like mm. being a beast and like taking over. And that was kind of what got me to be like, okay, like I want to try this sport. Like that looks super cool. And that was the first person I've ever seen play tennis. Oh, I mean, you're starting with legends. So come on. Yes. Okay. So now that I know that, and mm -hmm. I, I kind of have chills because honestly, I'm, I'm, it really, because being there, 
knowing that you practice with her, yeah. spend time with her. I, mm-hmm. I could honestly, I think I'm welling up right now because I, I, I'm such a fan of tennis and to know that you are so impressed and so captivated by someone as legendary as Venus. Mm-hmm. And then you get to play with her and spend time with her. Mm-hmm. What is that like for you? What is that? Does that full circle moment just everything to you? I mean, it, it must be just like chills for you. I mean, it's just everything. And even when I was younger, um, I actually trained with their dad for three or four years, mm-hmm. probably from like, you know, eight to 11, something like that. When I was really young, when I was kind of just starting out and I used to sit there at their old house in, in Palm Beach and I used to watch them practice, watch them train. And then it's like fast forward to, you know, the last few years on the tour where at US Open, I practiced with her. I practiced with Serena, Ugh. you know, I practice with her pretty often in Jupiter. And it's just like, like, I just get so like overwhelmed sometimes because I'm just like, how is this my life? You know, like I was, she's the reason I literally started playing tennis and, you know, to get to know them and talk to them and learn from them is just like, it's indescribable. I love that story. Dylan, what was your first match? Do you remember your first match you ever watched? So the first match I ever watched was, I, I don't remember what tournament it was, but it was Tatiana Golovin playing against <laughs> Venus too, actually. Venus was like my first favorite because she was so tall. And I've been tall since I was little. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, yes, finally, there's something besides basketball that I might be able to play. I mean, how gay is that? I got inspired by women's tennis first. To start playing. I was like, yes, you better work, queen. <laughs> Gonna work, Queen. Everyone listening right now, a lot of people listening right now yeah. identify with what you just said, yeah. including myself for sure. By the way, Tatiana Golovin, we just did an episode with her. Phenomenal. Yeah. So great. She is the coolest, nicest person, very down to earth. I mean, that career, uh, I mean, I'm just saying that that was that's a tragedy right there. That is a terrible. I also felt really lucky because like I got really got into tennis in like the early 2000s, like that first decade of the 2000s, which to me was like some of the best women's tennis ever. I agree. For sure. For sure. Sasha, I want to start with our first topic today. I'd love to start at the beginning. Your parents both came to the United States from Guyana. And I read an article Mm -hmm. that you asked your grandmother for your first tennis racket while shopping at a dollar store. Is that true? That's 100% true. Both of my parents uh, migrated to the States. You know, they basically, you know, came to the States looking for a better life for, for me and my brother. And, you know, they didn't come here with any money. You know, they didn't know anybody. And, you know, my parents, they basically built, you know, our whole family, every, a lot of us play sports and it's just really cool. So that is definitely true. I did go to the dollar store one day with my grandma and I found, it wasn't even a tennis racket. It was like, you know, those little beach paddle racking, whatever. And I ended up getting it and was hitting on the wall for like hours a day. And at some point, like they were like, wow, like you actually hit like really well, you know, and And they were like, you have a hand-eye coordination. And then I broke the entire side of like one window, like one afternoon. And my mom was like, that's it. Like, you need to get out. Like, I'm getting you lessons. Like, you can't be tearing up my house. I don't have money to fix this window, whatever. So she took me to like the nearest park. She she threw me in tennis lessons. And that's history, you know, everything unfolded after that. What was young Sasha Vickery like? What were you like on and off the court? Because I I know you on the court today. I know you off the court today. What was young Sasha like? I think young Sasha was just like super energetic. I just loved being outside. I loved tennis. Like I would be the first one at the club and the last one to leave. Um, I just want all I wanted to do was play tennis all day long. I was like obsessed with it. And I loved, you know, being outside, being with friends. But as soon as it came to like tennis, I was like, 
I got to go. So obviously after a while, I figured, you know, I think this is something I could see myself doing for a really long time, just because I always had that high energy and that fight. And I was so like determined and I'm super competitive. When I was young, I was crazy competitive, but it's just always been a part of me. When we first met Sasha, we were able to talk about your career. And I remember feeling so connected to you because we had similar stories. Mm -hmm. Your parents divorced when you were young. You were raised by a single mother and your mom ended up working two jobs to help pay for your tennis. No, you have this deep appreciation for your mother. I mean, she's, I've met her. She's fantastic. Was watching her work so hard, a great motivator for you growing up? Yeah, it was. And you know, that was kind of like the one thing that was always driving me. So whenever I was going through like tough moments, you know, I didn't really have to put this type of pressure on myself, but I always wanted to like make a better life for my family because, you know, my mom gave up everything. She left her country, you know, she started from scratch here. She was working even three jobs at one point. So she had a third and, you know, and my grandma had to step in and she basically raised me most of the time and she would travel with me. So a lot of players on the tour, you know, they, they're very familiar with my grandma because she was traveling with me when I first started playing my first tournaments and, for years and years because my mom was working so much. So, you know, it's just, my mom is just like a, you know, she's a beast. Like she raised us alone, you know, did everything by herself. She never complained. She never asked for help. And she's just one of those like once in the lifetime people that are just like, she's just too good for this world to put it any other way. (laughs) Was she tough on you? Yeah, she was tough on me, but I think more just like, just wanting the best for me, like really just... Mm -hmm wanting the absolute best for me because she didn't want us to have a life where we struggled because she struggled so much. So her being Tommy was more just really wanting to see me succeed, whether it was in, you know, tennis or school. She just wanted like a great life for me and my brother. Was the goal always to be a pro tennis player then? Was that even at a young age? Do you remember? Was that the only? It was always tennis, but I also did uh, really love marine biology a lot. I think if I wasn't a tennis player, I would do something along those lines. But I, man, I just, since, like I said, since I was eight, nine, I just love playing tournaments like and you could just see, you know, the competitive like fire in me compared to a lot of girls my age. You know, a lot of them were just kind of like, you know, like I want to play for fun, but I'm like, I'm here to win. Like I I was a beast back then. I was like, I came here to be everybody. So people started to pick up on that. And and yeah, I was just very fiery all along. Well, I, I feel the same way. I think I think at a certain age when you're when you're faced with adversity like you were, right. you don't have a plan B like a lot of people do. You have to dedicate right. yourself. You have to focus. You have to put all your attention onto one thing. Right. And that's what you did. You ended up training at some of the most world-class facilities in the sport. You started at IMG. You trained overseas in France at the Mortaglio Tennis yes. Academy. You were also at the USTA Training Center in Boca Raton. It seemed like you had to hustle a lot growing up yeah. for court time. And it seems like you had to make a lot of sacrifices moving around to kind of dedicate yourself to tennis as well. When you think back to those years, especially learning as a kid, Sasha, what do you feel? Like, was it a happy time? Was it stressful time kind of trying to kind of cultivate your career? Was it was it fun times? What, what, what was your experience like trying to be a professional? I think it was a little bit all of the above. I mean, definitely it was very stressful at times because I knew I could see, you know, all the sacrifices that were being made for me. And, you know, I never took it for granted. And I've always been like very grateful for that. But like you said, you know, I moved around a lot because I just had to, you know, I had to do what I can. I had to hustle to get by. I had to, I had to train as much as I could. 
But also my mom, you know, she didn't have the money to, you know, get me a private coach or have somebody travel with me full time. So I had to do what I had to do to, you know, get to that next level. And, and, you know, and looking back now, I really wouldn't take away any of that that I did because I had so many great experiences. I work with so many great coaches, some of the best coaches in the world. And, you know, I definitely took a non-conventional route, you know, because tennis is a sport where you have to have money, you know, you have to have the connections. And I didn't come from any of that. So I took a different route to get there. But in the end, I, I got <laughs> to the destination I was looking for. So it paid off. Yeah, I, lo I love whenever like you hear stories like that, where everything happens so organically, you know, even going back to like, mm -hmm. you just wanting to pick up a tennis racket or whatever it was that you're grandma bought you like you organically found the sport and I feel like those kind of situations where you organically come to something that you're passionate about is what ultimately feeds mm -hmm. you through that unconventional definitely. definitely that's what keeps you in the sport you know if you love it as much as Sasha does that's why she's willing to go mm -hmm. around the world to pursue her passion the gamble paid off Sasha because you became a great player almost immediately. You'd climb all the way to six in the world in the junior ITF rankings, mm -hmm. and you'd have some huge wins in big tournaments. Can I name a few of the players that you beat? Just to, we're talking nostalgia, right? You, I know you didn't remember go a couple ahead. of things no, I said, ahead. but I want to spark your memory today. Yeah. Okay. Let's spark your memory. I have a bad memory. So <laughs> do you remember beating Alina Svitolina in juniors? I do. Yes. I played in Kentucky in the ITF. Oh, I was going to say, I would, I would Venmo you a dollar if you remember what state you beat her in. And so I owe you a dollar. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that weirdly. Cause I think it was my first like big win. So I somehow remember that. I don't know how, but. I mean, I would remember beating Alina Svitolina because I never did. But if I did, I'd remember. <laughs> and then you kind of, you sort of put the hurt on her a little bit at the U.S. Open later, right? I had it, man. It was, a, it was a tough three setter. I was in there. I was up a break. But like, that's you're playing at the same level. To me, I'd be walking away. I'd be like, okay, I really made her earn that, you know? <laughs> exactly. Do you remember beating Madison Keys in juniors? Yes, I remember as well okay. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, you, you got a memory. You got this. Okay. Okay. How about let's try, let's try Annette Contevit at the US Open Juniors. I mean, that's a huge win. Come on. She's two in the world this week. I mean, that's huge. I don't remember that one. Well, you should remember that one because that's a real <laughs> good one too. That's a real confidence booster because Annette could play some tennis. In 2003, Sasha, you'd win the biggest title of your junior career by winning the USTA national singles and doubles title. This is an event that has been won by legends. We're talking Jennifer Capriotti, Lindsay Davenport, Chris Everett, Tracy Austin. It's the creme de la creme of American tennis. After you won both titles that week, did you just leave feeling like, I'm invincible? I am Sasha the shit, Vickery. Like, what was Sasha Fierce? I mean, come on. You're winning singles and doubles at the most. I mean, you're earning a wild card into the U.S. Open with this victory. I mean, what do you remember from that weekend? I just remember that was just such a turning point for me because, you know, I think prior to that, like I was just kind of stuck in that chaotic struggle of like starting to play full time on the pro tour, you know, having to do well every week because I'm like, well, I need to make money this week so I can get to the next tournament. So kind of like going in that cycle for like a few years and just really going through that stress. And for me, that was kind of just like, wow, like, okay, so this is all what it was for. And it's paid off and I'm in the main draw in singles and doubles and I don't even play doubles. So that was just like, you know, that was like the week that kind of jump-started my entire professional career. You earned a wild card into the 2013 U.S. Open. 
what do you remember from that first Grand Slam? I mean, was that experience everything you'd hoped for? Yeah, it was it was everything. I believe I played uh, Mariana Lucic Veroni uh, first round. Yes. And I just remember I was so like nervous, but a good nervous because, you know, I just wanted to win so badly. Um, and it was the first time like I played, obviously, you know, in a slam and I just wanted to go out there and, and I was like, OK, if she beats me, like she's going to have to fight for it. Like I was out there fighting for my life, like every point I remember because um, she's a big hitter. So I was scraping, scrambling. And, you know, I got through that in straight sets and, you know, wins like that, they kind of have a big impact. And it's sort of like a turning career confidence wise when you're entering those big tournaments. So, you know, that two month, three month period, that was just a really vital time um, at the start of my pro career. Wait, hold on. Was that the year that you got robbed in East New York? (laughs) Oh my God. You know what? It was. And it was before the tournament. So I didn't even have the prize money yet. So I was still struggling. Wait, what happened? What was the story? I got robbed in East New York, John. Yes. Where? What? Okay. So I, I have cousins that live kind of in a rough area in New York, in East New York, right? like New Lots area. But, you know, I, I always used to go there as a kid and, like, hang out, you know. So, for me, it was, like, normal. I was like, you know, we're going to walk the streets. We're going to be all that. We're going to do whatever. Thinking we grown. So, I went to the ATM and I withdrew $300. And this man snatched it and really? took off. And at that time, like, $300, that was, like, a lot. I didn't get that prize money check yet. So, I was over there stressing. I was crying. Like the police was like, I can't do anything for you. So that was a little traumatic, but you know, the win, the win made up. The win made up for it. That second round prize money was pretty good, even back in 2013. Okay. okay. It was still good. So it made up for it. I know. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I always wondered, Sasha, when a player that's so successful in juniors, like you were, you had so many people talking about you. And then you know, you won a lot more mm-hmm. than you lost mm-hmm. as well. And junior, you're used to mm-hmm. winning. You have the feeling and you transition from junior tennis to pro tennis. Was it a complete shock to you? I know at, by the U.S. Open time, you'd already played some ITFs. You were already playing on tour mm-hmm. and you're beating someone. Mirana Lucic-Peroni, by the way, a legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australian Open semifinalist, Wimbledon semifinalist, 1999. My favorite Grand Slam of all time, by the way. Anybody listening knows this. I talk about Wimbledon 1999 all the time. My favorite Grand Slam, Mariana Lucic, Baroni. I mean, did you find it an easy transition when you went from juniors to, to the pro tour? So I think everybody's transition is different. Um, I think with mine, you know, I came out very hot, you know, as soon as I first started on the tour because I feel like, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. So I was just going in there like, you know, oh, I'm like supposed to be winning these matches. Like I'm a top junior, you know, and it's very good for a period of time. But then as you get a little older and you're, you know, starting to do the week to week to week on the tour, that's when it kind of hits you like a wrecking ball. And you're so used to winning tournaments every week and winning every match you play or not playing that great and still being able to win. So I had to go from that to like, wait, I really got to bring my A game every single match I play or I'm not going to make it this week. Like, I'm not going to do well this week. So I think after that first year, which was like great for me, I kind of hit like a little, I I don't really want to say rough patch, but the transition definitely started to tell. And I still had very good results, but I did find it a lot more challenging than what I thought it to be. Did the USTA help you at all? Did you did you find that you were getting some wild card support early on? Early on, I definitely got a lot of wild cards. I got more support from USTA. 
um, which is normal. You know, the younger up and coming, you know, players that, that the top juniors, obviously in the first year or two on the tour, you know, they really show a lot of support. You know, you get the wild cards and you get the support. So, yeah, I think I wasn't any different. I did get help from them at some stage. All right. I want to move on to topic two today. I'd love to talk about those early years on the ITF tour. You'd play your first pro event. I just mentioned it's a challenger in Evansville, Indiana. Yes. You got all the way to the semifinals in your first tournament on the pro tour. Do you remember getting there? Do you remember that first event? I do. Is, are there memories that flood back? Yeah, I remember like even the court that I like played on and you know, like I said, that was my first tournament and I just wanted to do so well. And I was like, like fighting like a maniac that week. But that's definitely somewhere I think I'll never forget because that's just where I had my first taste of like what I've been dreaming of my whole life. So, you know, it may not be a great place to be, but I definitely have a special memory of Evansville for sure. Me and Sasha talked about this before. She like asked her about, you know, what it's like on the ITF tour, like in your early years. She always tells me about how, you know, everybody is trying to break into the top hundred. So you have to scrap and fight to get those wins because people are fighting tooth and nail to break the top 100. And I'll like, yo, I can't. It's a dog fight. I can only imagine how crazy it is. I mean, Sasha, it's so funny. I mean, I don't want to talk about it because you're right i mean you've played all over the world you've played in australia you've yeah. played in turkey you've played in colombia you've played in nigeria everywhere. you're in the dominican republic right now i mean you've played everywhere where there's a tennis court i mean <laughs> it's it's truly everywhere it's a tough grind sasha chanel bickery i mean it is i applaud you you know it is you know it has its stressful moments but also not a lot of people can say that from the age of 11 years old they traveled all around the globe. So, you know, as stressful as it might be, there's also a lot of reward as well. I asked Taylor Townsend, she was on the show, who <laughs> I love Taylor. What a great comeback Taylor's had. I mean, Killing. props to Taylor Townsend. I'm so happy for her. She was on the show. She talked about the ITF tour because she spent a lot of time playing tennis. And she says the ITF tour is even more competitive than the WTA tour. Oh, 100%. Have you experienced craziness on the ITF tour in your, in your years, Sasha? Um, yeah, craziness is an understatement. I mean, I've went from tournaments that like I played one in Cancun to where there was dogs running across the court. Um, you just posted that on Twitter. That's great. That was a great. It, I was a little so good. <laughs> I was a little on edge that week. Let's put it that way. But <laughs> I've been to hundred tournaments that have had similar situations where, you know, you don't get water in the matches. Um, you don't get a can of balls for practice. You get like one per week. So I tell everybody, I would much rather grind in a WTA than an ITF. Like these people in ITF, like those like easy matches, those like, I don't feel like playing today. That does not exist. Like ITF will, it will literally expose you. There's no way around it. And I think that's why when people's ranking drops a little bit, you see some of the top players going down. It's so hard for them to come back up because then they have to get used to that grind and scrap and it's like if you haven't really been through it it's like you can't truly understand you know that feeling taylor was talking about head games and and a lot of uh, gamesmanship on itf events bathroom breaks medical timeouts lots of things have mm -hmm. you experienced that in your career too is that just a commonplace in just professional tennis in general i would if i had to compare it i would say it's very close to playing junior tennis mm. because of like what you said, a lot of the gamesmanship and the, the medical timeouts, bathroom breaks, all of that is, you know, we already have that on the WTA tour, but if you take that to ITF, it's like times a hundred. <laughs> so, but the thing that really builds you to be like ready for anything, like 
I seriously, nothing can surprise me on the tour anymore. Like nothing can shock me. I've seen it all. I've been there, done that, seen everything. What's your what the fuck match? Have you had one that's just like, I mean, you that stands out in your mind, like that you don't have to name the player. But I mean, is there one that was just like, I cannot believe this happened to me and this we is my You want to name the name <laughs> offline though, because I want to know this thing. Yeah, offline. Well, we'd like to know offline. <laughs> well, I think John actually already knows because we talked about it. We talked about it. Yes. So you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, there was a certain match against a certain somebody <laughs> that, um, you know, it was 6-4 in the third set tiebreak. And she called for a medical timeout. Everyone's Googling you right now, Sasha. You're giving out way too much information. They're going to find out what it is anyway, but I'm going to just put it out there. So she decided to take a medical timeout because she was cramping. And she said that it was because like her knee was hurting. And then she came back out and played four points like Federer. So that was that was a tough one to swallow. Like I said, you know which match I'm talking about, but that was the craziest thing I've ever been part of. Yeah. You've now been to eight career ITF finals, winning three titles, stretching back from 2011 all the way to this year in 2022. Do you have a favorite event that you'd like to go back to? What's your little tiny city that you're just like, oh, you know what? I love going back there. You know what? This is gonna be a this is gonna be a tough one to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know. I can't give you really ITF because, like I said, ITF, you show up, you play your match, and you keep it pushing, <laughs> and then you get the hell out of there. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, what, whatever she was in, was it in in Mexico when you and Alicia were yeah. playing in Mexico? You you told me she said after that last match, <laughs> she went straight to the to the hotel, got her bags, and she was at the airport. Like I lost <laughs> at two, I was on a flight at five thirty. Let's put it that way. Right. So ITF, you you see it out. You just leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in 2015, you'd start your year by winning ITF events in Florida, beating Samantha Crawford and Sarah Cerebus Tormo on clay, by the way, okay, in two finals. Those are some great names I just mentioned. And you were playing some great tennis. In 2016 and 17 were also really solid years for you, Sasha. You'd qualify at the 2017 US Open, winning your first round, and then you'd play a match that I happened to be in the stands for. It was my first introduction to Sasha Vickery. And I've never, it is the first time I watched you play. And it is one of the most dramatic matches I have ever seen right. live in my entire life. Oh, and I've watched hundreds of so matches. Weird. And it was something you just stumbled across because it's like, what is this match? I didn't know who you were. I didn't know who Sophia Kennan was at the time. And I was just like, let me just watch. They're in the third set. Let me see what's going on. I recommend everyone going back mm -hmm. and YouTubing this match right now. We're talking a second round US Open match against Sophia Kennan. It ended up being seven, six in the third. You came from behind. You had some match mm -hmm. points. Sophia Kennan was talking to herself a whole bunch in the match. It had everything. It was the most dramatic match. It had everything. It had everything. I always ask, I love to know when players think about their career and they look back on their career and they say, you know what, if I could change a match or if I could change a point in a match, is that the match you think about when you go back and you say, oh my gosh, that point haunts me or that match is like, I don't know. What do you think? Definitely. That was one match that like stuck with me for a very long time. I think the toughest part was that she hit on one of the match points, she hit a ball and I wasn't sure if it was out or not. And I played it and some people were telling me that it was out or they thought it was out. So it was just one of those tough like moments that you're like, man, I'm never going to get over this, you know, like. 
I cried for like two days. Like it was dramatic. And you, if you were at the match, you see, you know, she had the medical timeouts. She had like the arguments with her dad. Like it was a whole drama. But it's also kind of one of those moments where you're like, looking back, I'm really glad it happened because I learned a lot and I got a lot of reflection from a tough loss like that because you know, in the next tournaments and matches that I played, I kind of used it as a challenge to be like, well, if I can get past this, then I could get past any other tougher battle than I have in the future. So it was a very, it was yeah. like one of those hard life lessons, but it was the best thing that could have happened to me looking back because I built so much character from losing a match like that, that it was only helpful to me towards the end. It was great tennis. It was really fun to watch. Do you think you have a temper on court? Oh, most definitely. On court and off the court, I'm two different people. When I'm on the court, I have like an alter ego. Like I'm Sasha Fierce or I don't even know what I'm, or I'm Roman Zelensky. I'm somebody else. <laughs> oh, not I like to call I'm Roman. Listen, we were, we were watching the final. There was some like some points where she, uh, I don't know, whatever, made an unforced error or something. And like, she was like, this ain't the time, Sasha. This ain't the time. I was like, oh, here she come. Here she come, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I be turning into Roman out there. Like, it's right. on a snap. But you know what? <laughs> I'm like, rah, rah, rah. and then, you know, it's just the competitive, like, edge in me. And I've been like that way since I was a kid. And once you're, you perform at such a high level, everybody has that competitive yeah. like spirit in them. Yeah. But yeah, I just be, I'd be feisty out there. I'm not even gonna lie. It's, it's life or death for me. It was such a fun match. It was such a fun match. Yeah. That US Open match, Sasha, was definitely a momentum changer for you. And it really would fuel you to start playing some of the best tennis of your career. So I wanna go on to topic three today. And I'd love to talk about your 2018 season. It was a great season for you, yeah. filled with big wins and semifinal finishes at WTA events in Auckland and Monterey. And you had the biggest win of your career, defeating Garbina Muguruza in Indian Wells that year. She was number three in the world at the time. Can we talk about Indian Wells, that event? I mean, I, I, last night I was watching because I'd love to hype myself up for matches. Mm -hmm. And I know Sasha Vickery's career very well. I watched the last couple games of Muguruza and the utter disbelief in your face when you won that Garbina match. It's heartbreaking. Like, it's like, you know, when you see something, somebody realize, like, what a moment that is. Yeah. Like, ugh. What do you remember from that match? What do you remember from that tournament, really? I mean, you beat Eugenie Bouchard in the first round. I mean, Wimbledon finalist. Then you then you beat Garbina Muguruza. You know, it, it, it was an epic tournament for you. Everyone mm -hmm. was talking about it. What, what do you remember from that week? Um, well, like you said, obviously leading up to that week, I had such a great season. And I think um, at that period in my career, you know, I knew that I could compete and I knew that I could have good results. But when you don't really play those top players a lot, it's like you don't really have that belief that, you know, I'm on the same level as these girls or I can compete with these girls or even beat them, you know. So I think the main thing from that season and I carry with me to this day is like I gain that confidence is like, OK, I belong here. I can play with these girls. I can compete. And at Indian Wells, you know, it was just such a great tournament for me. I came through qualies and I think Jeannie got the wild card over me like super last minute. And then I ended up playing her first round. I was so pumped. I was extra hype. I was like, well, we going to just get another one. It's OK. You know, so I had a little extra fiery anger in me. But, you know, even thinking sometimes I go back and I look at the match, you know, every once in a while and I'm just like, I was literally down a set three love, 40 love. And it's like, how the hell do you even come back and, and win that type of match, you know? But 
it was just like all those years and that was the moment that everything clicks and everything's come together and the stars align and that's really like a moment I'll never forget like that crowd presence and you know people like screaming my name it's really something that like you can't explain you have to experience it it just like really I get like I get goosebumps thinking about it it was just such a great moment for me and also I I really deserved it like I earned that moment and I worked hard my whole life for that so you know obviously I was very happy but I I did feel very deserving because I've been through the trenches to get there. So I was just so grateful and appreciative, honestly. On paper, that's your best win, Sasha. But do you think in your career, that's the best match you've ever played in your career? Yeah, it has to be. And and even when I was down in that match, you know, I was obviously, you know, down to set three love, but the level of tennis was still very high. I was just playing a, a player who's a Grand Slam, multiple Grand Slam champion, and she had answers to everything I was doing. So it was still a very good match, but I think maybe another one I would say is when I played Radwanska in Auckland, that's probably up there with one of the best matches I played as well, because she's somebody I looked up to. And yeah, it's just, you have to have a very high tennis IQ to have a win over yeah. Radwanska, Hingis, Brengel. These are, these are players mm-hmm. that are very different in how they play their tennis. And you have to really think right. about how you're going to beat these players. So the craziest thing about that is that I modeled a lot of my game around her and watching her play because mm. we're very similar. She's very, you know, short and very crafty, like not super powerful, but I also have a pretty high tennis IQ when I play because I don't have the big weapons. I don't have, you know, the conventional forehand and those monster finishing shots. So that kind of forces you to have an IQ, mm-hmm. you know, that gave me so much confidence. Cause I'm like, man, I'm playing like, the master of masters of like tennis IQs right now. And I was still able to win that match in straight sets. So yeah, that was also unbelievable. Well, well, by the summer of 2018, you had achieved a career high ranking of 73 in the world. And to get there, you collected some amazing wins against legendary opponents. So I'd love to talk about a few of them. So for our fourth topic today, I'd love to play a game. I call this game Victorious. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Dylan, I'm going to read you a player that Sasha has played at some point in her ITF or WTH career. And you just have to tell me if Sasha was Victorious in the match and was able to get the win. Okay? Come on, Dylan. You better bring I'm the wrong person if it is. Regardless. (laughs) (laughs) You do be bad. Well, then then this should be easy because there's... I'm going to give you five players and you have to get four out of five of them to get the win today. Okay. Okay. We ready? (laughs) You got it. Let's do this. All right. Okay. Dylan has Sasha ever beaten Danielle Collins ever, ever. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Sasha actually is three and three against Danielle Collins. It is, it is a crazy head to head. They've played some great matches in their careers. Sasha, do you think Danielle is one of the most intense players you've ever played in your career? I think she's the most feisty player like I've ever played. And and I think the thing is with her is that she has a lot of that like college kind of energy and spirit. So like the first couple, I you know, obviously I played Danielle growing up. Like we played all throughout juniors. We would play in a ton of nationals. But that like fiery, like kind of personality that she has, I feel it was just times a hundred, like when she played in college. So like, that's the toughest thing about her is like, she does not, <laughs> she does not ease up. Like she's going to be fiery from first point to last. I'm a huge fan of Danielle and she's just like very focused from start to finish. It's just like, right. you know, Hey, 
you don't exist. This yeah. is my world. So I'm like, you know what? That, that's, you know, she has some really iconic moments. So power to her. All right, Dylan, you, that's one. You ready? Has Sasha ever beaten Igas Fiontech? No. There, okay, well, there's your one. You got one. That's it. She has She has beaten. I don't even think they played it because she's like, what, 15 years old or something? <laughs> that's a hard one, though, Dylan. That's a hard one because I played her a, like a while ago. You did, but you played her twice. The first time you played her, you played her in Miami 2019. Can I just say, Miami 2019, you beat Jen Brady and then you beat Iga Swiatek in back-to-back matches. We're talking Grand Slam champion and finalist. These are not easy matches, by the way. No, that was a tough one, though, Dill. It was, but okay, I want to talk about this 2020 match. You went 6-4 in the third with Iga Swiatek. It was masterful the way you played. You played so fantastic. What do you remember from that match with Iga? And what does she do so well that she's been dominating the tour for this, this entire season? I think the thing is with Iga is like, she's very hard to play because you can't really read her shots. And even for someone like me that moves extremely well and I have really good anticipation, it's like her technique, you know, the way she like times the ball, she's very hard to read. And also, obviously she has unbelievable power But I think the thing is with her, it's like she knows her game. And I think it was just like putting it together. So she was already starting to build a lot. And you could see, you know, the little structures in her game that were slowly starting to build. But, you know, that was still a great match for me. Again, I I was up three love in the third set. I maybe had a point for four one. Mm -hmm. But it was tough because I also played on the court that I lost to Sophia Kennedy. I guess I think I think it was the same exact court. So it was just already like a little traumatic for me. Like I love that she remembers that. Anybody listening out there, any like tennis player, if you ever lose on a court and you have to go back and play on that court, it's like, that's like the most traumatizing court to play on. Yeah, court tech, US Open, you can miss me for the rest of my career because you you have not <laughs> been a friend of me, but that's okay, you know. But again, it was a great match and another kind of showing of like, okay, you know, I can play with these girls. And this was just a few years ago, you know, that these like matches were happening. Sasha, who do you think at this point, if we have Iga challenging as the dominant player on tour, who is going to step up to be that rival? If Ash Barty's out of the game now, obviously, you know, maybe maybe we see her in a couple of years. Who knows? She's so young. She was like 20 something when she retired, right? Who, who do we think in your perspective can step up to be that rival to Iga Sviantek? Is it Coco? I mean, obviously the final wasn't what we had hoped for, but I mean, do we think Coco Goff could be the next rival to Iga Sviantek? I think definitely, potentially, you know, there's a lot of girls, you know, there's Sabalenka, you know, all these great younger players. But I think, you know, even Osaka, like maybe she's not on top of her game at the moment, but that's somebody that could definitely go head to head with anybody in the world. Um, So she's somebody maybe I'd say is a big challenge for Iga. I agree. Dylan, are you ready for the next one? Speaking of Osaka, has Sasha defeated both Naomi Osaka and Mari Osaka? in her career. I don't even know that one. She's played them both. Has she beaten both sisters? Both sisters? I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let's let's break this down. We're going to break this down. Sasha has defeated Mario Saka. How many times, Sasha? How many times have you beat Mario Saka? Twice. Once? Twice. Twice. Well done. Twice. Twice, yes. She is going to defeat Naomi Osaka in the next tournament she plays. Okay, with. all right. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, you, you're talking in the 2022s. I'm talking in the 2023s. <laughs> <laughs> He's just thinking ahead. 
I mean, we're in grass court season right now. I mean, you did go three sets with Naomi in, in Nottingham. Do you remember that match? That's true. I went that to Nottingham. I had some tough matches against her. I know we've talked about some matches now. We've talked about Garbina. We've talked about Mirana Lucic, Baroni. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Naomi. We're talking about three players who notoriously hit the ball the most fierce on court, right? right? In history, in time. Is Naomi the best player you've ever played? Who do you think is the best player you've ever played in, in, currently in your career? Was there ever a match where you were just like shocked at their level? Like just, wow. Mm, I I did play Sabalenka once on grass mm-hmm. and her strike on the ball, honestly, was like great. Like it's nothing I've ever played against before. Like you said, I've played against Mariana Lucic. She hits massive. I played Naomi. She hits massive. But that was just somebody where it's like, you feel like you're on your back foot every single point. Interesting. She's probably like the biggest hitter I've ever played, I would say. Oh, I love that. I love hearing that. That's great. Definitely. I think. Okay. All right, Dylan, you need some redemption here. It's kind of tough though, Dylan. I already lost. <laughs> <laughs> this is a learning opportunity for me. So. Okay. We're on our last round. You ready? I'm ready. Dylan, last one. You got this, Dylan. All right. Has Sasha ever defeated... Coco Goff. Yeah. I never played her. <laughs> in, never played, but in practice she has. I'm sure she has many times. Okay, in practice. I haven't, maybe in practice. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I was at that practice. They've <laughs> never officially played on tour, yeah. but they have practiced together many times. So yes, I love that. Dylan, honestly, I'm so glad you've supported Sasha throughout her career. You didn't do so great in this game. You didn't do so great. That's hard though. <laughs> was hard this is what a true hype man does he just assumes that she won everything yeah that was some positive energy he said yeah she beat her <laughs> that i appreciate can we talk about coco for one second i i know we were all so happy to have that moment with coco in the finals of the french sasha do you think this is the start for coco is she revving her engines yeah i think for sure you know obviously the thing is with coco was She's so young and it's like she just has so many years of playing and experiences that she's going to go through. You know, I just hope the hype that she gets and all the attention, you know, it doesn't cause a lot of pressure. You know, like we've seen with some of these younger players and these people that are, you know, they come straight from stardom. But I think with Coco, she has such a good head on her shoulders that she's going to be able to handle you know, that adversity and all those tough moments. So I think she's going to be lit. Like, she's going to be the next big thing. Like, and she's just starting out. I remember this tournament, I think that's why she did so well, because she even talked about, I think midway through the tournament, she said, like, earlier when she really came on the scene, she was trying to please everyone and be what everybody was anticipating her to be. And now she's like, I'm just going out there. I'm just playing my game. And this is this is what it's yielded for, you know, so. Beyond her years. Right. Not easy to do. It's not. I love it. I love it. I love it. Dylan, I'm I'm feeling really bad about that round. So I want to I want to give you a bonus. Are we ready? We could scratch that last entire question. If you can get this right, you win the game today. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's get it popping. Come on. Here's your bonus question. You ready? Here we go. Sasha has had so many great wins over the years, and we don't have time to talk about them all today. So Dylan, here's your question. Sasha has beaten all of the following top 25 players in an ITF or WTA match, except one. You have to name the one person she has not defeated. You ready? Let's get it popping. Yelena Ostapenko, Maria Sakari, Bianca Andreescu, 
Barbara Krychikova, Anz Jabor, Camilla Georgie, or Paula Badosa. She's beaten all those players except one. That's, that's who we're talking to right now. We're talking to world-class athlete who's beaten all the best tennis players in the world, except for one of these. And she lost to her twice. Oh, damn, I know which one. Shot in the dark. Throw it out there. This is literally going to be a shot in the dark for me. I'm going to say Krychikova. I love that you said Krychikova, because you know what? It's Camilla Georgie. Camilla Georgie. I almost said her, but I was like, I thought for some reason that last time we talked about her, it was like some good tea, but maybe it was some bad tea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Camilla has her own fashion line too. You guys can talk about your own fashion line. I mean, Camilla wears those cute dresses now. I mean, I'm just saying. She's looking cute. That's the thing though. It's funny because all you tennis girls, the few of you who are like designing for female tennis players, you guys are all going to like more um, like nude and neutral stuff and it looks so fire. Obviously, we're wrapping up today. I, I, I could talk about these matches. You've beaten Bianca, Ons, Krychikova. We're talking Sakari. I mean, thank you for these reminders. Like, my confidence is just boosted. Sasha, honestly, well done. Period. Okay. <laughs> we're talking some amazing wins on the tour today. You've beaten the best in the world, Sasha Vickery. So I don't know who you play tomorrow, but you better be like, oh, okay. That wins over all of you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we're moving on to our last topic today. I'd love to talk about some recent tennis. Sasha, you qualified for Charleston in April, and it seemed like after a successful week, you were back to playing some great tennis again. So congratulations. Thank you. After your match in Charleston, Sasha, you tweeted about something that very few people knew about mm -hmm. that you've been struggling with. You tweeted, the fact that I can still play tennis at a high level while battling an anxiety disorder and panic attacks frequently truly shows me the power God has. Anyone out there that's struggling, keep fighting. Sometimes things have to get worse to get better. I want to talk about this because, you know, Dylan and I know you off court and a lot of people listening know you on court and mm -hmm. to come out and to talk about your anxiety disorder. It's amazing. It's amazing that you're able to, to open up to all your fans and to discuss this on a personal level. First, I'm, I'm really sorry that you've been going through this. I mean, this is as somebody who cares about you. I mean, this is, mm -hmm. this is really tough, but athletes like you and Naomi Osaka have really begun to normalize mental health issues in sports. There's so much stress in what you do. We've talked about a, a lot today. There's a, your career is constantly under scrutiny, not to mention all the racist bullshit that you've had to endure in your career, the social media attacks that you constantly get that you mm -hmm. posted on Twitter as well. And if you don't have a great team around you, then you're susceptible to being taken advantage of throughout your career as well. How long have you been struggling with this, Sasha? And, and, and why did you decide now was a good time to share with your fans? I think honestly, I've, probably been struggling with it since I was 16 or 17. Um, so it's been like a while, but I also got very good at, I don't want to say like hiding, but I would say more like managing it because like they would just happen. I didn't really have panic attacks much when I was a teenager, but I definitely had some form of anxiety. Like that's a hundred percent sure. And I think why it got worse over time was just because, you know, with age and obviously I've been playing on tour for five plus additional years and, you know, just the highs and lows of tennis, like it's very, it's stressful. It's hard on your mental. It's hard on your body. Like it's hard on your family. Like it affects a lot of aspects of your life. And I 
feel I wasn't thinking about it as much when I was a teenager. So that was kind of the start of it. And even with COVID, um, that's kind of where things hit me very hard because, you know, I was home for six straight months and all of those thoughts, you know, I was like kind of pushing to the side and just playing through, like they all just hit me um, because I wasn't doing my normal routine. I wasn't, I had a completely different schedule. And also I think, you know, 10 years ago, people weren't really talking about mental health, like it wasn't even a thing. And I feel like for you to say something, you know, it was kind of like, you know, that's weird, you know, or, you know, it, it wasn't really like an open conversation to have. So that's why I never really talked about it. But actually, the thing that has made me improve was talking about it, because I held on to it for so long, um, that when I started seeing a therapist, and I started, you know, opening up to people they're like, Oh, well, now I understand I could see you know, why, you know, you were struggling in these periods. And that for me, it was just like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And that's like the main source of like how I got healing was talking about it. Cause I was just so afraid to talk about it for the longest while, but you know, it's, it's something it's obviously, I think I'm always going to have some form of anxiety no matter what, but it's like, I've just gotten to such a good place where I know how to manage and handle it. And, you know, if anything, it's like just such a character build and I've just been through so much and I'm just so proud that, you know, I'm still fighting and, you know, fighting my demons and it's not easy and I've overcome it for years and years and years. So that's something that I should be proud of. Oh, absolutely. Did it hit you on court as well? Did you ever feel like you're in a match kind of situation and, and it just all of a sudden it, you kind of get into that zone of, of feeling, feeling that pressure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That has happened a ton of times on court. And um, like I said, I, I think it's even happened when I was a teenager um, to where I would just get like a super fast heart rate. You know, I'd start feeling really lightheaded. Um, you know, I couldn't control my breathing. It's like I had a lump in my throat, like, you know, all these like things I was kind of tackling and until it started to get worse that I was like, okay, I need to see somebody and I need professional advice. And, you know, I can't keep doing this by myself. You know, I'm only one person and, and, you know, I'm just so happy that I did that. And, you know, obviously I have such great friends around me and I have just such positive people and I have people I can talk to about it. So it's been great for me. I think one of the first conversations that you and I had when we hung out the first time, I was like, we were talking about anxiety and I was like, yeah, I'm on this stuff. And you're like, oh, I take this. Is that stuff good? I was like, yeah, girl, this stuff is yeah, good. Yeah, I was like, this some real druggies. Like, he was like, oh, you on that? I'm like, yeah, girl, 25 milligrams. <laughs> I know. I was like, girl, listen, this is what I take this. It's real good. You know, it's, <laughs> it's good to just like normalize it and make it not so taboo, you know? I mean, players like you and... Naomi and Marty Fish have really brought to light that there's a need for mental health programs and especially in high schools and yeah. making sure that kids are, are understand what they're dealing with. I mean, yeah, I, I'm so proud of you, Sasha. I really, really am. And, you know, this is a little kind of off the topic, but I think also another reason specifically is that I feel, you know, as a black woman and in the black community, like mental health is just something that's just not like taken seriously. Like it's not talked about enough. And, you know, if you go to somebody, you know, in your family or or anything, or if you try to like talk about it, it's kind of just like brushed aside and it's not taken as seriously for some reason. It's like this stereotype that I think really has to be broken because I think that's why a lot of people, they're just so, they're so scared to talk about it because it's just a stigma. And, and, you know, that's also something I had to go through and learn is when I was talking about this stuff, like people weren't believing me, like they weren't, 
like really listening to what I was saying until like it had to get to the worst extreme. And then they were like, okay, wait, maybe, you know, something is wrong. So I think definitely that's something people should try to pay a little more attention to. And, And it's just a fact that, you know, everybody struggles with something. Everybody has something going on. And, you know, that's not separated by color or gender or whatever it is. Everybody's struggling. So I think that needs to be taken seriously. Well, if you were a Sasha Vickery fan before, or you're just listening to her for the first time, I mean, send her, send her some positivity, send her some love. I mean, this is great. This is great today. I love it. You obviously have our love and support for all your fans out there. So I'm, I'm really proud of you. Sasha, what are, you, what are your goals for the rest of the season? I, I want to end on a positive note today. I, what's left for the year for you? You mentioned Wimbledon earlier. You know, my goal right now is I'm working hard to be back in the top hundred and you know, I'm grinding and I'm playing and I'm getting match momentum. So that's my goal right now. And um, just more than anything, I'm just really taking care of myself, making sure I put myself first and, you know, to make sure I don't get burnt out and I, and I still love what I'm doing. And, and that's the vibe I'm on right now. I'm just enjoying, enjoying life and all the curveballs that come with it. And, you know, I'm still in here. I'm still fighting and I'm still going to keep going. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You've been on the tour for a while now. Is there a tennis goal, Sasha, that is still in the forefront of your mind? Is there something that you want to accomplish before you hang up your racket still? I think for me specifically, I don't really like to put like labels on my goals, but to be honest, the goals for me personally would be more off court. Like I want to make more of an impact off the court with people that are less fortunate, like doing charity work. For me, that's like kind of what's the most important to me. You know, I obviously love tennis and it's given me so much. It's given me the world. Um, But I also think there's a whole other life, you know, outside of the court. And there's a lot of more important issues than than hitting a ball over the net. So my passion really comes from things off the court. But on the court, like I said, right now, I just want to be back in the top 100. I'd love to win a WTA one day. I'd love to make a run in a slam. and, and, And that's what I'm aiming for. It's happening, Sasha. It's going to happen. If you manifest it, it's going to happen. That's just how it works. True. Right? Will you be out there until 40 like Venus? I will not be out there till 40. I can <laughs> will not be waddling out there with a bad back. I will hang up the rackets for sure. <laughs> Most definitely. Well, we all have your back, your good back right now. The one that's functioning. We have your back. <laughs> you have our support. We're out there cheering for you every match for sure. Whenever I to leave, I want to give a shout out for Pride Month to all my LGBTQ friends. Before we wrap up today, Sasha, real quick, last question. From Instagram handle GLTA Tennis Life, they've written in and they said, it's Pride Month, so I'm so glad you're spotlighting a WTA player like Sasha Vickery that has shown so much camaraderie and love for the gay community. She constantly posts positive messages, and it seems that she surrounds herself with a fun group of peeps (laughs) from the LGBTQIA plus community. Thank you for being such a champion. I think it's so great Sasha has so many gay friends and you post all the time and you support and you share and you don't give a flying fuck about what anyone thinks ever. That's just Sasha Vickery, right? That's why everyone's in love with you. That's just what it is. And I think honestly, we we had you on, you know, when I first met you, you joined a group of, I don't know, maybe there were 50 plus 
<laughs> GLTA, you know, gay, yes. gay tennis fans from all over the world. So you have a strong base. Yeah. So thank you for being such a, a great champion. You're such an ally. You know, the gay community, like they have my back. Like they are ready to go to war for me on Twitter, Instagram. They're like, do not come for Sasha. So it's like, we just have each other's back. And it's like, I don't know, just my all my gay friends. Like, it's just so easy for us to like talk. And it's like, <laughs> I could just be open and we can just talk about whatever. It's like, yeah. it's never judgmental. Whenever there's like something going on, you know, with, with Black Lives Matter, like we could talk about it. And like, I'm just, they just kind of get where I'm coming from. It's like, we just vibe, like it just works. And also interesting story real fast. My mom had a very close family friend who's pretty much like an uncle to me and he's gay and, you know, he he's married now and everything. Um, this is somebody who used to pick me up from school all the time, take me to my tennis lessons, drop me off. And, you know, one day he came to me and, um, you know, he had this real like serious sit down. He was like, I want to talk to you about something and da da da. And, you know, he's going on and on. And then he finally is like, I just want you to know that I am gay and I hope you're okay with it and you don't have a problem. I thought this man was going to tell me, you know, he has like a few weeks to live. I said, that's it. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you had me thinking you was on the way out. And, you know, even just growing up with him, it's like, I just always had like this comfort. And yeah, like I said, my gay fans, like they have my back. Like they, they do. They do. They just ride for me like throughout. Like it's awesome. Yes. Yes. Happy Pride Month. Honestly, guys, I've had so much fun today. I really have. Dylan, is there, are there any questions real quick? I want to I want to finish with you today. Is there anything about Sasha's career that's on the brain as a tennis fan? One last question with Dylan Cassidy today. The Dylan Cassidy from Twitter. <laughs> Twitter model, Dylan Cassidy. I would say what, what's the wildest thing you've ever experienced from somebody across the net? Somebody across the net? Actually, I should have had two. Like we talked about that one earlier. Uh -huh. There's another player who's retired now, thankfully. Um, yeah, she ain't on the tour anymore. But I always had a drama with her, like every match we played. So I played her before she retired in Charleston. And it was like, we had the no handshake going. Uh -huh. Like we was just going back and forth. Like it was definitely giving like bitch fest. Like it was just a- Sasha loves to give the context clues. She's like, I played her. I won't say her name, but I played her. She is five <laughs> foot six. She, I played her in Charleston in this year. <laughs> She's a blonde Aussie Russian, but it is what it is. She is right-handed. But yeah, we had our, we had some, a lot of dog fights, me and her. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, guys, I had so much fun today. Our co-host, Dylan Cassidy, can be found on Instagram at D-I-L-L-T-Y-Y-Y -Y -Y, or on Twitter at Dylan underscore Cassidy underscore. It's not all tennis content, everyone, just <laughs> FYI. No, it is not. <laughs> but it is Pride Month, so... It is. <laughs> make sure you support my good friend and all-around fantastic guy. Thank you so much, Dylan. So good to see you. Oh, I love this. I love this. Our guest today can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Sasha Vic. Sasha, we didn't get to talk about some of your savage tweets though on Twitter throughout the years. I mean, we could keep talking. We could have like a three hour show. This is fun. Can I ask you, what was the tweet that generated the most comments? Like petty or just in general? Oh, petty. Okay, petty. So it was after that dramatic match at US Open and 
this lady, like she tweeted me and she said something about, you know, this black girl with an attitude and um, this and that, and you really didn't handle it well. So I just got a little pain and I called her a sponge face, right? <laughs> so it was just like a hashtag and it was like kind of trending a little bit in the tennis world. So I called her a sponge face. It is what it is. We went back and forth a bit and then it all got deaded. What a way to end today with a hashtag sponge face. Sasha, thank you so much for joining today. I'll be cheering for you all season long. I love you. I can't wait to see you again. I'm also really happy. Thank you for having me. And this was so fun. And I can't wait to see you again. While you're on Instagram or Twitter, everyone, shoot me a message at John Garica. Let me know who you're a big fan of. Also, don't forget to follow us at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter at Fan Tennis Pod. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please help the show out by subscribing. I definitely appreciate a great review as well. My name is John Garica, and thank you for listening. This has been fantastic.